Ah, welcome to Fishing Without Bait, a podcast about living life without definitive expectations, where we assist people in exploding into their life through full impact mindfulness. We're looking to help people create their lives rather than find them. There's no admission fee, only the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. As usual, we offer an eclectic roster of guests, and if you've been viewing social media, there seems to be a plethora of individuals who, although well-intentioned, seem to believe that they have uh, some solutions and advice for the continuing and burgeoning mental health crisis, not only in this country, uh, however the world. So we've often thought that a little bit of knowledge can certainly be dangerous. And merely because you have the best of intentions or you've had some experience with mental health issues yourself, please do not be offended. However, that does not qualify you necessarily to assist others. Uh, I can watch as many medical shows as I possibly can. However, that doesn't qualify me to diagnose and treat illnesses. Uh, Merely because I could be a spectator in an operating room does not make me a surgeon. Uh, Watching a car mechanic does not make me a mechanic. So today we're joined by uh, Adriana, who is a colleague of mine. She's a colleague in training from the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Welcome, Adriana. Hi, thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the calling that you had to obtain the necessary training and experience to assist people to help them help themselves. Sure. So um, I grew up in Philadelphia and I uh, decided to go to Indiana University of Pennsylvania to pursue my bachelor's degree in psychology. Um, So I graduated with my bachelor's degree in 2018. Um, And what kind of led me into being interested in that field was um, experience in my family with um, struggles with mental health. And um, as you mentioned, this is not just a uh, crisis in our country, but it's a crisis all over the world. So I really wanted to be able to help others, uh, which led me into pursuing my master's degree, which I started in 2019, um, also at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. So I'm currently pursuing clinical mental health counseling um, with my projected graduation this December. So yeah, I'm, um, I'm very excited. And So how does a young lady who grew up in Philadelphia on the eastern side of Pennsylvania end up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on the western side of the state? Well, as I mentioned, um, my own family had their their own struggles with mental health, and I decided that what was best for me um, and my own mental health was to put a little distance there. So uh, I ended up moving out to Pittsburgh where uh, I met my fiance. And so I'm enjoying the Pittsburgh life now, you know, assimilating as best I can. Yeah, that's uh, quite a dichotomy between uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, as growing up, as most people have been affected either directly or peripherally by someone in their circle with either mental health and or substance use issues, I don't think 
there's any family that can honestly say that they haven't been affected by that. Uh, tell us how that affected you. We always talk about how it affects the individual. Very little about how it affects the people, their loved ones. Well, yes, certainly there is a ripple effect um, throughout a family that's affected by mental health and substance use. So um, it was tough growing up in an environment like that. Um, I still, you know, struggle with certain things to this day. Um, but it really inspired me to want to get involved with this community to learn what I could do to help others that are struggling with mental health issues and or substance use. You know, as you know, most of the time those two overlap. So. Yes, they're often, it's often said that substance use, depression, anxiety walk hand in hand down the street and hug and kiss on the corner. <laughs> uh, so that led you to a degree in psychology. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your experiences and the training of an undergraduate degree in psychology, Adriana. Um, you know, I it's kind of interesting looking back um, at just how little I learned um, in just studying psychology. Uh, I think we had one course on developmental. We had one course on abnormal psychology, which is, you know, mainly just like disorder focused. Um, lots of research. Um, so realistically, when I entered the job market in 2018, after I graduated, I had little to no understanding of what I was really getting myself into. Um, I had read about these disorders, I had taken tests, but I had never seen uh, someone struggling with mental health. Um, I guess I should specify certain mental health conditions I had never actually seen in person. So that's what led me to pursue my master's degree to really get a better understanding of what these things can look like and how I can actually be somebody that could be a helper. Okay. So psychology is a lot about the nuts and bolts of uh, mental health, uh, mm -hmm. brain chemistry, brain operation, mm -hmm. uh, which is certainly incredibly vital. Uh, counseling is more about getting, I call it, rolling around in the mud uh, with someone's thoughts and feelings, mm -hmm. uh, giving them empathy and not sympathy, and trying to assist them running over the road bumps and speed bumps they encounter with life. So you could have gone on and got your master's degree in psychology, uh, which would have been a fine thing. However, what led you to getting a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling? Well, like you said, um, it's the counseling aspect uh, was something that I guess I was drawn to because um, I wanted, I wanted to be that person rolling around in the mud with someone. I wanted to, you know, get down and dirty and figure out what's going on, how can I help, um, things like that. Whereas, like, if I had just pursued psychology, I may have just gone into research or may have led to another direction. But I really wanted to be able to sit one-on-one -on -one with people and help them help them to help themselves. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. So the difference between an undergraduate degree and enters entering a master's level program, there's a wide gulf there uh, among responsibility. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit about the culture shock about getting into a master's program and finding out that 
uh, they were really serious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think in a lot of people's undergraduate studies, you may find that you can sort of just coast by, uh, whereas in in a master's program, specifically in this program, uh, coasting by is not an option. Uh, you really have to do the work. You have to be disciplined, like self-disciplined. Uh, nobody's going to be there to hold your hand and guide you through. I mean, obviously the professors are great and if you reach out, they'll be there. But realistically, uh, you have to do the work, especially with, uh, with the different practicums and uh, even in just the basic counseling skills courses, you have to uh, do practice interviews with people and stuff. So you really have to have an understanding of the material. Uh, it's not really a fake it till you make it type of place. Uh, no, it isn't, because that can be recognized very quickly by an individual who sits down in front of you. And quite often when they're sitting in front of you, Adriana, that's not the first therapist that they've been in front of. Right, right. Uh, people can easily notice if you start to flounder. Um, so having that knowledge, making sure that you are staying on top of your studies will help to build your confidence when you actually do get to begin to sit in front of clients. So is it the job of a therapist to give advice? No, it is not. Wow. <laughs> so say more about that. Obviously, I'm still in training, but... In, in my uh, experience so far, suggestions are, are always helpful, but um, being an active listener, uh, showing empathy, uh, really just being, being a support to that person, uh, I think is part of what is the most important as a therapist. Okay, great. So what we try to do, uh, you know, when we're talking to someone, we often say that we could work on character defects and weaknesses mm -hmm. for the next six months and things will get much worse. So rather than starting off uh, our first appointment with asking them what's wrong, uh, what do you think might be a better what do you think might be a better approach, Adriana, to start off with? Tell us what's I say, I, I believe that uh, focusing on the positives, building up strengths is more important than highlighting your weaknesses. Uh, so if we start off by focusing on positives, what's good about life? What's good for you today? Those kinds of questions um, to help them start to think in a more positive light. Absolutely. So Adriana, what we try to do is find a time in their life when things were good, when things were going well. And then we want to find out the people, places, things, circumstances, and events that produce that positive outcome. And we want to try to recreate them. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So no advice, huh? It's not always necessary. Um, you know, as, as counselors um, or therapists, we use um, techniques and uh, different mechanisms to help create change with people. But um, realistically, they, the client is the, is the expert in their life. I like that. So the client is the expert in their life. Who knows their story better than them? Nobody. Absolutely. So what we try to do or what you're saying is that we try to help point out blind spots to people. 
Yes. Like the Jahari window that we discussed. Yes. Um, yes. So we're trying to point out blind spots to them. That sounds like a, a bit like you may have to uh, gently challenge them, Adriana. Yes. Challenging uh, clients is um, a, a technique that we use that definitely takes some practice. You don't want to come off too strong, but like you mentioned, gently challenging people to even question their own thoughts and beliefs, it can really be uh, enlightening for them. Yeah, so what you're saying, here you're saying, is that you're asking them to step outside and look at a situation rather than from it. Precisely. So, gee, there's many people out there who think that a therapist holds people's hands and tell them how sorry they are that they're in that difficulty. I mean, it is important for a therapist or counselor to show empathy and understanding um, to a client or um, patient in whatever setting, but holding their hands and guiding them to the right answers, unfortunately, we're not magicians. Okay, mm -hmm. no, we don't have the... We do perform magic. Uh, everyone out there knows about the abracadabra uh -huh. yes. uh, deal. Um, however... Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what, in your mind, what's the difference between empathy and sympathy? I think most people confuse the two. Sure. So um, I think sympathy is what is most often shown to people, and that can sound like, I feel so sorry for you. Um, it's sort of almost showing pity, I think, is the best way that I can describe it, whereas empathy is more showing understanding and saying, I may not, I may not be in your shoes. I may not have gone through what you've gone through, but you know, I, I empathize. I don't know how to uh, exactly word it, but it's um, just showing an understanding for how they're feeling yes. versus saying, I know how you feel. We help people to help us understand yes. how they feel. Right. And we've often talked, Adriana, one of the most disrespectful things that a human being can say to another is, I know how you feel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think when I've seen you in action, I see that you're talking to people and allowing them to think and feel however they think and feel. Mm -hmm. Because most people, I understand, are told that they shouldn't think a certain way or they shouldn't feel that way or just to simply get over it. Mm-hmm. One of my least favorite lines is, uh, other people have it worse. You should be grateful for what you have. And it just completely discredits any any feelings that a person may have. So everyone's feelings are special and unique to them. And what we try to do is one of the things that we do is in order to properly treat someone we have to have more or less of a definitive diagnosis. Although we treat people, we don't treat diagnoses. We have to know what area of the ballpark that we're exploring. Yeah, absolutely. Without having a understanding of what exactly is going on, uh, it can be much more difficult to focus on the, the issues at hand. Right. So sometimes merely by casual observation, seeing someone on TV, having someone describe an individual to you. Many people come right off the cuff and give them some type of a stiff diagnosis or tell them that they are... Mm-hmm. Right. 
sell them what they're what what what's one of the words that people like to throw out oh you're crazy <laughs> yes is that a word it's is that a word you're taught in therapy school uh, that is the word that we are taught not to use uh -huh. in therapy school yes okay those words like nuts crazy uh, is they're ver verboten words mm -hmm. so labels identify people right and labels words mean something names mean something so once we label somebody with something that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy absolutely so one of the most destructive things a human being can do is to tell them what to do mm -hmm. so we often refer and at times, we're taught not to treat people or go into areas that are outside of our expertise. Sure, yeah. That would be un unethical. Let's see, if I was a trained podiatrist, uh, just because I was an MD doesn't mean that I could set bones or operate an individual. Yeah. Or... Or pull teeth. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, what we have to watch out is our own egos. Do we not? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So say a little bit about uh, quite often we deal with people who are in the midst of extreme emotional distress. Mm -hmm. uh, that's often uh, quite dis discomforting or disconcerting to someone to sit in a room with someone across from you who is melting down in sorrow and grief. Mm -hmm. uh, how does that affect you? Um, I think I would be lying if I said that it didn't affect me, that I, um, I haven't been in certain situations that have moved me emotionally as well. Um, and it's absolutely okay as a counselor to, to feel that emotion yourself. Uh, as long as you are honest that you're not using any uh, transference or counter-transference in those kinds of situations. Um, but sure, there have been times that have been very difficult for me to, to sit through. So when we're talking about transference and counter-transference, mm -hmm. perhaps you could explain that a bit. Sure. So, um, and forgive me if I mix these up, maybe you can correct me. Um, Transference is when a client um, transfers some kind of emotions that they are holding towards someone in their life onto um, the therapist. So, for example, say they had a tumultuous relationship with their father. They have a therapist that is an older gentleman. They might kind of transfer those sort of emotions or feelings or thoughts onto that therapist. And then counter-transference is the opposite where a therapist transfers any type of emotional feelings that they may have onto the client. Wow. Right. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is that the therapist has to be aware to have some boundaries between themselves and the patient or they'll become ineffective. Absolutely. We always emphasize awareness to our clients, but awareness in ourselves is important, just yes. as important. Yes. So what uh, what is this business about positive 
self-regard. Positive self-regard. Yes. Um, what do you mean exactly? Well, it's uh, it's when you, what we do is we always accept the person we don't accept the behavior. Okay? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, being accepting of a person that we're what that we're working with or even with ourselves sometimes um having that acceptance is important but what we're aiming to do is change behaviors or help modify behaviors in a way that is more functional for the client to have a more positive life okay so what we're looking for what you're telling me what i'm hearing you say is we're asking people to take emotional mind choices and turn them into wise mind choices Hey guys, we're having a great conversation here and I hope you guys are following us and I hope you guys are subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash fishwithoutbait. We're going to be putting some uh, exclusive content out there and you can help support this show. Uh, but we are going to come back next week with the rest of this conversation when Jim and I uh, continue this chat. Thank you guys for listening. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of fishing without bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.